All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as, as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, well, friends, good morning to you all. Uh, it's wonderful to see you uh, all uh, joining us online. Uh, my name is Huey, for those who are, who are new here. And uh, I'm uh, one of the pastors uh, at, at Church at Nine, so it's it's great to see you uh, this morning. Um, can I get a, a thumbs up from everybody uh, if you're feeling good at the moment uh, during lockdown? Just uh, put your thumbs up if you're feeling okay during lockdown. Not too many thumbs up, <laughs> I can see. Um, oh, Grace. Grace is feeling okay. Um, can I get a sort of a, a half thumb if you're kind of feeling a bit meh about lockdown? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is a struggle, isn't it? Just uh, being cooped up and not being able to see uh, people. Um, and uh, I think uh, we're all feeling like that uh, a little bit uh, at the moment. But um, I hope um, that at least this morning as we... Uh, turn our attention to God's word. Uh, we, we will be encouraged by um, the things that God teaches us and that uh, whatever our circumstances are, uh, we'll be able to rejoice uh, in the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So uh, that's uh, my prayer this morning. Um, if uh, you can have your Bibles open in front of you, we're going to have a look at 1 Corinthians 6, uh, verses 12 to 20 together. Um, and uh, I find it very hard to concentrate when I'm looking at a screen, and I'm sure many of you as well. So it'll be important that uh, uh, you have your Bibles open and, uh, you know, try different ways in which you can uh, keep on engaging uh, with us. Uh, maybe write down some notes. Uh, if you have your um, bulletins there, you can uh, jot down some notes just to uh, keep on thinking uh, as, we, as we go through this part of God's Word. But uh, let me lead us in prayer. And uh, we'll have a, have a look at uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 6 together. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can gather together online this morning. 
uh, we thank you that uh, despite lockdown, uh, we can be reminded uh, this morning of your goodness to us in so many different ways. Uh, we thank you that you are our loving Heavenly Father uh, who provides uh, all things good uh, for us. And uh, we thank you especially uh, for the gospel of our Lord Jesus, um, in wh whom we have uh, the forgiveness of sins and uh, the great hope of life uh, beyond uh, the, the, the frustrating life that uh, we can often have in this world. And uh, we pray that as we come to your word this morning, that you would help us to concentrate. And we ask, Father, for your spirit who lives in us uh, to help us uh, to not only understand uh, intellectually the things that you say, uh, but that you would help us to uh, uh, obey you uh, with uh, our heart, mind, and soul, uh, because uh, we, we want to glorify you in every way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, friends, um, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I love life hacks. Um, here, here are a few I've come across um, recently. Uh, if you have smelly shoes, uh, hand up, hands up if you have smelly shoes. If you have smelly shoes, you can put a tea bag inside uh, each one of uh, those uh, shoes in order for those shoes not to smell. Um, if you've lost something small, uh, this is a handy one, you can put a stocking over the vacuum cleaner and uh, suck up the small piece without it disappearing inside the vacuum cleaner. Uh, if you've got bad body odor, uh, apparently you can rub a lemon all over your body and you'll end up smelling pretty, pretty good. So uh, you can give that a try if you, if you want. Uh, but there is also a great risk to life hacks as well, isn't there? Um, because with life hacks, you are using something for a purpose that it wasn't designed for. And so, for example, this week I heard of a person who didn't want to buy a screwdriver. And so what he did was uh, he used a knife uh, to undo some screws. Uh, and of course, what happened was the knife slipped and he almost sliced off a finger. Uh, you see, using something for the wrong purpose can often be harmful or dangerous, can't it? Uh, well, we've been looking at uh, 1 Corinthians on Sundays for a while, and uh, we are in a, a section of 1 Corinthians where the apostle is dealing with the issue of sexual immorality in the church. And I want to suggest that today's passage is all about using our bodies for the right purpose. Uh, you can see just by the number of times uh, Paul uses the word body in our passage that this is that this is the big theme uh it's there twice in verse 13 if you have a look at at uh, your bibles uh it's there again in verse 15 16 18 19 20 uh, almost every verse uh, mentions uh, the body uh, how are you and i going friends in using our bodies at the moment now, I'd imagine that the temptation to sexual immorality is even greater during a time of lockdown when we are often uh, alone uh, or at least uh, out of sight from uh, our Christian brothers or sisters or other uh, 
people who can hold us accountable. Now, is that true? Now, are we using our bodies for God's purposes? Or are we using our bodies in, in, a, in ways that are contrary to God's will? Uh, now, the specific question that the Apostle Paul is dealing with in this passage uh, is that of the Corinthian Christians visiting prostitutes. Uh, you can see it there in verse 15 to 16 where uh, uh, the word prostitutes uh, is mentioned a number of times. However, I want you to see very clearly that while the specific um, the specific issue that Paul deals with is the visiting of, of prostitutes, um, the broader issue uh, that is at play here is, is that of sexual immorality, which is about uh, using our bodies for a purpose that it wasn't designed for. Uh, you can see this in Paul's command in verse 18, can't you, where he says, flee from sexual immorality. That is, don't use your bodies sexually for purposes other than what God intends for uh, for your bodies, which is um, uh, sex only in heterosexual and monogamous marriage. Uh, but friends, here's the wonderful thing I think about this passage. Now, did you notice that the command to flee sexual immorality comes towards the end of our passage? In other words, God in the Bible doesn't simply give us commands when it comes to our sexuality. Uh, you know, we can often hear the Bible uh, in terms of do's and don'ts, especially when it comes to sexual matters, can't we? Uh, if you're single, um, you can often hear the Bible saying, don't have sex before marriage. Or yeah, if you're a married person, uh, you can often hear the Bible simply saying, uh, don't have sex with anyone who's not your wife or husband. But what I love here is that God is far more interested in helping us to think in the light of the gospel rather than simply issuing a series of do's and don'ts for our life. And so why are we to flee sexual immorality? Well, the first gospel reason that Paul gives in our passage is that we are to flee sexual immorality because of the resurrection. Flee sexual immorality because of the resurrection. Uh, but friends, uh, this part of the passage is a little bit tricky, so I want you to stay with me and try to follow Paul's logic here. Uh, now, if you have a look at verses 12 to 14, uh, you can see there that Paul is actually responding to things that the Corinthian Christians themselves were saying in order to justify their sexual immorality. Uh, that's why if you look carefully at some of the words in those verses, um, you, you'll see that they are in quotation marks. Uh, do you see it there? Uh, and so this, the, the words in quotation marks are not what Paul thinks, they are what the Corinthian Christians were saying in order to justify their sin. And what were they saying? Well, you can see there in verse 12 that the first thing that they were saying were the words, all things are lawful for me. Uh, it's a great cry of freedom, isn't it? Uh, as a Christian person, I am free to do all things, is what they were saying. 
I'm free to use my body uh, any way I like. All things are lawful for me. Of course, uh, Paul was a great believer in Christian freedom. Uh, you might remember in Galatians chapter 5, Paul says these uh, famous words. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. But when Paul talks about freedom, uh, what he's actually talking about is Christians being free from the Old Testament law to now be under the law of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's not talking about being free to do whatever it is we like with our bodies. And so it seems that the Corinthian Christians here are twisting Paul's words to suit their own uh, sinful itches. Now, friends, uh, it all sounds very contemporary, doesn't it? Uh, you know, the great slogan of our time, I think, is uh, I am free to do whatever I want, whenever I want, with whoever I want to do it with. It's the, it's the idea that my freedom is not actually bounded by anything, so I can simply live my life any way I like especially when it comes to sexual matters and especially when it comes uh, to matters to do with my body. But what does Paul say? Well, notice that he said in first verse 12 that not all things are helpful. In other words, the Christian life is not about what you and I are free to get away with or not in terms of uh, God's law. Rather, it's about what is helpful and what is loving towards others. Uh, in our congregation, I know that there are some of you who have, for example, uh, bought less flashy cars because you want to be helpful to others in the congregation who might be struggling with materialism. I know there are women who are very careful about what they wear because they want to be helpful to men who might be visually attracted to revealing clothing. I know that there are some, uh, some of us who are very careful about drinking in public because they don't want to be a hindrance or discouragement to other Christians who might struggle with alcoholism. You see, that's being helpful and loving, isn't it? That's what the Christian life is, is all about. But further, Paul says again in verse 12 that it's not about what is lawful, but whether you will be dominated by something. Uh, I think in the context here, he's talking about being dominated by prostitutes who obviously were having a form of domination or, or power over the Corinthian Christians with their sexual enticements. But friends, this is what sin is like, isn't it? You and I can often convince ourselves when it comes to sin that we are in control. Now, I can stop whenever I want to. But when we sin, we find ourselves dominated and overcome and in bondage to the sin itself. Right? It's especially true of things like pornography. You see, the world will say that you and I are free to watch pornography. You can be in control and stop any time. But what you find is that the more pornography you watch, 
the more in bondage to pornography you become. When was the last time you watched pornography and found yourself feeling free and in control of your life after watching it? No, that's not freedom at all, says Paul. For Christian freedom is not an absolute freedom to do whatever I want. Rather, true Christian freedom is to live within the purposes uh, that God has for our lives, whether it be in the realm of sexuality or any other part of our lives. Uh, when I was a, a, a bit younger, uh, I watched an episode of uh, Thomas the Tank Engine with uh, my children. Uh, is anyone um, a Thomas the Tank Engine fan among us? Um, I, I certainly was. Um, and uh, in this episode, Thomas the Tank Engine felt unhappy with his boring life. Um, and he wanted to be free. Uh, he wanted to be free of the train track to go wherever he wanted to go. Uh, the irony of the, the episode, of course, is that when Thomas eventually did go off the, the, the rails, so to speak, uh, he found himself not enjoying his freedom, but in a great deal of misery. You see, a train is most free, uh, not when it's off the rails, but when it's chugging along on the tracks in line with the purposes of its creator, isn't it? In a similar way, we are, we are most free when we are living within the purposes that God has for us in our bodies. Uh, as our creator, uh, God knows best about um, how, how we work best, if you like. Well, uh, if the first slogan is, all things are lawful for me, then the second slogan that the Corinthians were using is there in verse 13, uh, where it says, food is meant for the stomach, and the stomach for food. Uh, you see what they were saying? Uh, they were saying that just as the purpose of food is to go into your mouth and then into your stomach, the purpose of the human body is to have sex. In other words, sex is just a bodily need, uh, just as food is a bodily need. And so going to a prostitute is simply you know, satisfying the need that God has designed for the body. Now, that's what they were that that's what they were saying. Now again, uh, this sounds very contemporary, doesn't it? In our world, sex is often seen to be a need. And so, you know, it's cruel when somebody is denied the opportunity to have sex with uh, whoever it may be and whatever form it might take. But that is simply not true, is it? Uh, I think the Christian sexologist Patricia Wirakun, who many of you um, know, puts it very well. She says, there are plenty of people in this world who die from not having food, but I have yet to meet someone who has died from not having sex. You see, sex is not a need in the same way that food is a need. Of course, it's true that, that the human body is compatible uh, with sexual intercourse. But it's just that having sex is not the main purpose of your body or the main purpose of your life. If you and I belong to God, then our main purpose is not having sex, as good as uh, that is in its right context, 
but it is about using our bodies to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's precisely what Paul says in verse 13, isn't it? Where he says, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Just as the Lord is for the body and has saved you to raise your body. Uh, now, it seems that in many ways, the Corinthian Christians were trying to devalue uh, what we do in our bodies as though it doesn't matter. Now, that's why they say in verse 13, food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. Uh, I think the quotation marks there should extend uh, to those words, God will destroy one and the other. That is, what the Corinthian Christians were saying is, because God is going to destroy the body on the last day, well, it doesn't really matter what we do with our bodies, you see. But here's the point. Paul says that what you and I do in our bodies actually matters. Why? Well, it's because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Uh, you can see it there in verse 14, can't you? Uh, Paul says, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. In other words, Jesus' resurrection shows that he is now the Lord of all things, including our bodies in the here and now. And so the way we live in our bodies matters to him. And the way we live in our bodies now has eternal significance because one day he will raise up our bodies by his great power on the day of resurrection. You see what he's saying? It's not simply the so-called spiritual things that you and I do, such as going to church or uh, reading the Bible or praying that matters to God. But what you and I do in our bodies, in the privacy of our bedrooms, or in the office late at night, away from watching eyes, matters just as much to God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the resurrected, of, uh, resurrected Lord of all things, including your bodies. How are you and I using our bodies in the light of Jesus's? Lordship. Well, if the first reason for fleeing sexual immorality is the resurrection, the second reason that Paul gives is the fact that Christians are profoundly united to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you can see it there in verse 15, can't you, where Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Or come down with me to verse 17, where Paul says, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. It's the language of marriage, isn't it? You know, when you marry someone, you become one flesh with them as you enjoy sexual uh, intimacy with that person. But it's much more than simply a physical thing because you are joined together at, at a much deeper level than simply the physical. Uh, that's similar to what has happened to each and every one of us through the gospel of our Lord Jesus, isn't it? You know, when you put your trust in Jesus, what happened? Well, 
you were forgiven of your sins and you were united to the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in your body, but in your spirit, so that you are now called to be faithful to Jesus, just as uh, a loving husband, he has been faithful to us. And so the simple point that Paul is making here is that if you are somebody who uh, is united with the Lord Jesus Christ in this way, then how can you go and unite yourself to a prostitute? in a way that is unfaithful to the Lord Jesus. You can see it there in verse 15, can't you? Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. In other words, if you are joined to Jesus as your Lord and Saviour and you go to a prostitute, it's almost like taking Jesus along with you because you are one with him. I mean, can you imagine Jesus going into a brothel? Can you imagine Jesus himself flirting with the secretary in the office? Or can you imagine Jesus uh, watching pornography? Or even some of the things we watch that is in reality pornography, but passes itself off to be mainstream television. It's unthinkable, isn't it? That's what we do when we engage in sexual immorality. If you and I have been united to Jesus through the gospel, how can we unite ourselves to another person in a way that is unfaithful to our ultimate marriage partner and husband? I want you to ask yourself, friends, uh, are you and I being faithful to Jesus in the way we use our bodies? That's what God is asking us this morning. Well, uh, we are to flee sexual immorality because of the resurrection, number one, and because we are united to Christ, number two. But the third reason that Paul gives for fleeing sexual immorality is because uh, ownership of our bodies has now transferred to God himself. Uh, let's pick it up at verse 18. Have a look at verse 18 in your Bibles. It says, flee sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought at a price, so glorify God in your body. Now, friends, uh, the first part of uh, these verses are not very easy to understand. I mean, what does Paul mean when he says every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body? Now, some Christians think that this is saying that sexual sins are somehow worse than other sins. But it's hard to understand how even having sex with a prostitute can be worse than, say, murdering someone. Or some Christians think that this is saying that sexual sins are unique in that uh, it damages uh, the body and the soul more than 
uh, perhaps some other sins that we might commit. But again, it's hard to understand how illicit sex can damage the body and the soul more than uh, the taking of illicit drugs, for example. So what I think is going on here is that Paul is again quoting the Corinthians themselves. That they are the ones who are saying every sin, uh, the word other in that verse is not actually there in the original language. They are saying every sin a person commits is outside the body. That is, the Corinthians were saying that sin is really a spiritual matter. It's not a bodily matter. It's a spiritual matter. And so um, how one uses the physical body doesn't really matter to God. But can you see how Paul corrects them? He says, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. That is, what you do with your body matters. Sexual, sexually immoral behavior is a sin against your body. It's using your body in a way that is not pleasing to God. But again, uh, notice that Paul proceeds to give gospel reasons for why the Corinthians are to flee sexual immorality. Uh, he gives two reasons there, doesn't he? Um, firstly, in verse 19, he says that if you are a Christian person, then your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the implication is that if God has given you the Holy Spirit to, to live in you, as all Christians have, then how can you desecrate what is holy and pure and good by engaging in sexually immoral behavior, which is unholy and impure and evil in God's eyes? But secondly, in verses 19 to 20, he says that the ownership of your body has changed. You are now not your own, but you now belong to God because he bought you with the costly blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, no less. In other words, my brothers and sisters, you are immensely precious to God. You cannot get any more precious than God being willing to sacrifice the blood of his very own son to purchase you for himself. But because you now belong to him, you are not to cheapen yourself by using your bodies in sexually immoral ways. And so flee sexual immorality. Uh, I remember after university, I went backpacking in Spain and uh, saw some posters uh, uh, for the running of the bulls. Uh, have you seen the running of the bulls before? Uh, I don't know which crazy person came up with this idea, but it's where they release uh, uh, a group of rampaging bulls down a street in Spain, and uh, these crazy uh, people try to run away as fast as they can so as not to be gored to death by uh, these angry animals. Uh, it's the kind of image we get here, isn't it? You flee from things that are imminently dangerous. There's an urgency to it. 
that's what sexual sins are like. It can put you in real and imminent danger because as we saw last week, uh, the unrepentant sexual sinner is the one who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so what God is calling you and me to do here is to run away from the temptation to sexual immorality as fast as we can. Don't stick around to entertain the idea of sinning. Flee from it. Don't keep putting yourself in situations where you'll be tempted again and again. Flee from it. Don't try to stand your ground and think that you will be the only person since the Lord Jesus Christ himself to be strong enough to resist ongoing temptation. Flee from it. Remove yourself from the danger as fast and as far as possible. For some of us, that might be uh, removing our computers and devices for ourselves and for our children to more public areas in the home. For others of us, it might mean leaving our jobs and finding other employment if uh, we are beginning to be attracted to someone we, um, uh, we, we, we shouldn't be taking things further with. For others, it might mean not spending time with our girlfriends or boyfriends alone at night, but to meet in public places. For others of us, it might mean deciding to stop watching programs on Netflix, which are pornographic, because we want to flee and use our bodies for right purposes in God's eyes. Still, for others, it might mean seeking professional help, especially if we find ourselves with certain sexual addictions, uh, such as pornography. Or uh, for others of us, it might mean uh, confiding in a, in a friend that we trust so that you can keep each other accountable for the way you use your bodies. Uh, one of great, God's great kindnesses to me has been giving me a friend uh, whom I've been meeting once a month for the last 20 years who has kept me accountable in this area, who's kept on ask, asking me the, the hard questions in this area, if you like. Uh, but my brothers and sisters, I know how difficult it is uh, to flee sexual immorality because I, I'm also tempted in this way, as I know many of you are as well. I, I know that there are some of us who are living with a sense of guilt and shame and discouragement because you find yourself failing so much in this area. And so not only do I want to encourage you this morning by saying that uh, forgiveness is available to the repentant in Christ who washes and sanctifies and justifies us before God, as we heard last, last week. But I just want to remind you of the God we have met in this passage this morning. For the God who powerfully raised Jesus from the dead is surely the one who can powerfully help you in your struggle to beat sin. And the God who has joined you to the Lord Jesus Christ by his very own spirit is surely the God who is able to keep you close to Jesus 
even in your moment of temptation. And a God who was willing to spill the costly blood of his very own son so that you might belong to him is the one who will not lose you because you are precious to him. And so, my brothers and sisters, what you and I do in our body matters. Flee sexual immorality and seek God's help as we seek to do that. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us this morning. And we thank you especially for our Lord Jesus Christ. But we thank you that he purchased us by his very own blood so that we now no longer belong to ourselves, uh, but to you. Uh, help us, Father, to therefore use our bodies in ways that please you. Uh, help us to flee sexual immorality in our lives. Uh, we pray for those of us who are especially struggling in this area, uh, particularly during lockdown, whether it be through the watching of pornography or other forms of sexual expressions uh, outside of the marriage relationship. Uh, that you would give us the grace to repent and to know your forgiveness and your freedom in our lives. Now, Father, we pray for all of us uh, as we all fail sexually in our lives in one way or another, uh, that you would help us especially uh, during this period of time to flee sexual immorality and to take sexual sin seriously. Help us to see Jesus clearly as the Lord of our bodies so that we might be free in him rather than seek freedom in other places. Uh, help us to know Jesus intimately as the one we are united to so that we might be attracted to him rather than attracted to the fleeting pleasures of this world. And help us to know that we are not our own that we belong to you because of the costly sacrifices of the sacrifice of Jesus and help us to learn to glorify you uh, in our bodies for the sake of Jesus who died for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.